Um, I would just like to pray before we begin. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I just want to just thank you so much for this day. Just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to speak your word, God. And uh, I would just pray that they would not be my words, but they would be yours, Lord. And um, I just thank you for everyone's here, Lord. And I just pray that um, they would get something out of this message if it's your will. I just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so before I actually open up God's Word, I would just like to ask you guys all a question. Why are you at MBBI? I'm sure this is a question you've maybe had family members, friends, aunts, uncles, um, teachers, just other people ask you. Um, especially if they are unsaved, they're probably really wondering, why are you, you know, wasting your time in MBBI? Um, so just as I go through my message, I'd like you to kind of keep that in mind. We're going to be working through 2 Timothy uh, right now, so I'd like you to go to 2 Timothy 1, verse 13 is where we're going to begin. That's 2 Timothy 1, verse 13, please. Um, another question that could be asked along with why are you here is, is why does this school exist? Why is there a Bible school that preaches God's word like MBBI does and holds true to these, these things when it can be shaken so, so easily? And so many Bible schools have, have gone liberal, but why are we still preaching this word through and through and trusting it as God's word today? Um, so Ryan and David kind of started talking about Second um, Timothy in the last couple Sundays, and we are kind of continuing on in this, this theme. And I want to talk about truth, about God's truth, and about doctrine. Um, if you noticed, I got Justina to um, reiterate a, a verse from what she read, which was John seventeen seventeen, Sanctify them in thy truth, thy word is truth. And you could add to that as well. And I think it ties in very well, that, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So if, if we get our faith from hearing the word of God, and if we hold our faith to be true, then we have to hold the word of God to be true. Um, so I'm just going to read through 13 to 18. It's going to be the end of the, to the, end of the uh, chapter. Hold fast the pattern of sound words, which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit, who dwells in us. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Philegius and Hermogius. The Lord grant mercy on the household of Ornephius, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Okay. So just getting into the first verse that I'm going to be dealing with today. I'll read the, the first part of that again. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me. Before I go any further talking about this verse, we need to understand that the people that are writing this 
are, are real people. They're people like me and you. You know, this was Paul, for example. And then we would have, of course, Matthew that wrote Matthew. Isaiah wrote Isaiah. And then we have other times where it's like Moses who wrote Genesis and Exodus. Um, his name's not in it, but we know by studying that, that it was Moses that wrote it. So the reason why he says me is because he physically wrote these things to, to Timothy. Um, but now we have to understand an even deeper truth that this isn't from Paul's heart. The heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. This is not from Paul's mind. The mind is full of, of evils and sin. No, this is from God. If it was from man alone, then it wouldn't be worth following. And there's so many religions that follow a man in a man's writings. But that's not Christianity. Christianity is following God and following God's words. So if we are ever to, to learn doctrine, if we are ever to, to be able to use this word and minister this word and have this word ministered to us, we need to first understand the doctrine of inspiration. Um, we need to be solid, too, on what we believe when it comes to this Bible. We need to be studying to show thyself approved, a workman that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because if we're not doing that, we can't go out there and reach a lost world. We can't go out there and teach. Because if we're not solid ourselves, people are going to ask questions. They're going to say, you know, what do you believe on homosexuality? What do you believe on fornication? What do you believe on, on swearing? And you can't just say, well, I know the Bible teaches this, but you know, I'm not sure if that applies to me. I'm not sure if it applies to you. I don't know if I really believe that. And in the same breath say, well, believe on Jesus Christ because the Bible says so. And if you don't, you're going to hell because the Bible says so. No, we can't do that. We can't be partial when it comes to God's word. We need to truly be teaching from Genesis to Revelation every truth that it says. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, especially in liberal churches, they'll, they'll say, well, it's all about love. It's not about doctrine. You know, love your brother as yourself, and, you know, Jesus loves you, and, and that's, that's it. That's what you need to be telling people. Well, all those things are certainly true. But we need to understand love from God's point of view. And if we are to do that, we need to study God's word. And we need to know the doctrine of love. You know, I, I love what Dr. Doherty said in prayer meeting about how love is a doctrine. Um, and, you know, people kind of make fun of, of it and say, well, they will know us by our doctrine. But the song says, you know, they will know us by our love. And love is a doctrine, and we need to understand love from the Bible. So, in this, in this portion, he's saying, Hold fast to the pattern of sound words, which you have already heard from me. Because, as we know, this is 2 Timothy, and there was the 1 Timothy. So, Paul has already taught some things to Timothy before. And he's saying, you know, hold to those truths and build on your faith. And continue to learn these things. And if you don't if you're not able to build on the things you've already learned, then you're not going to be able to continue to learn what you have. So it all ties together into truth. That truth is an important um, foundation for our faith. And everything relies on, on 
knowing that God's word is truth. And the thing is, like, not so much now, but um, especially in the past, there was the whole idea of, of finding what truth was and really wanting to know the truth. Now people saw the truth in the wrong sort of ways, but everyone wanted to know what the central truth was and how to live their lives. That's not so much even true nowadays, though, because people don't even really know what truth is. They, they say they have their own truth, and they'll believe what they want to believe. And what might be good for you is not good for me, or what's good for me might not be good for you. But we have a Bible that has been around for over 2,000 years, and it has not changed. And this truth has not changed, and this truth will always be the same. God's word abides forever. Um, so now, getting to the end of verse 13, uh, it says, In faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Faith and love are the reason why we can believe. Faith and love is the reason why we have this word to begin with. And faith and love comes from Christ Jesus. We have the ability to have faith, the ability to love, because, because Christ Jesus first loved us. But at the same time, Christ Jesus is the object of our faith and the object of our love and the reason why we need to hold to this doctrine. Okay, now I'm going to read verse 14. <clears throat> that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Now we know that, that God's word has been committed to Christians and that, that is exactly what this verse is talking about because it's only Christians who the Holy Spirit dwells within. Now we need to understand that when God saved us, he didn't just save us to say, oh, well, you know what, I saved you. Now kind of go off and do your own thing. Do whatever you want. You know, sin all you want. You know, see in heaven type of thing. Have a good life. No responsibility. No control. Nothing. That, that's completely false. That is a lie from Satan. The truth is that God saved us to, to do good works, to do things for God, to be committed to the doctrines that are in this word. And that is our responsibility as Christians. You know, it says in James that faith without works is dead. There should be works as evidence of our faith. There should be things that we are doing as Christians that people see us and they say, yes, that, that guy's different, that girl's different. And one of those things should be that when they ask us questions about God's word, when they ask us what we think of homosexuality, we take them back to God's word and we show them exactly what God has to say and we do not waver in that in one bit. This is something we can't do on our own, of course. This is something we need to pray about. This is something we need to trust God about because this is hard very difficult in a world that wants to go against this, this word and go against doctrine at any point. So we understand too, uh, as I said, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. So what are we going to do about that? If the Holy Spirit dwells within us, we have the power of God. We are able to, to do great and wondrous things. But it comes to faith, it comes to prayer, and it comes to trust. And it comes to knowing the truth. And it comes back to the word. I know my personal experiences um, in wavering in the faith and 
not trusting God, that oftentimes it's been because I've ignored this. I've put it on the shelf. And then when I've come back, the reason why I came to Bible school in the first place was because I said, you know what? I need something in my life. This life I'm living isn't working. It's time to open my Bible, see what God has to say. And in opening my Bible, I grow. I learn. And in doing that, I want to serve God because I see how awesome He is. I see what He's done for me anew each time I open this Word. And that's what we need to be doing. Um, and I, I love the idea of discipling people that I've learned at this school through teachers, through different missionaries. It's an awesome pattern of like, you know, you, you reach someone, you lead them to the Lord, but it doesn't stop there. It often does, but it shouldn't stop there. You disciple them, and then they become a discipler. And then from there, they reach somebody else with the Lord, and they start discipling them. And the wheel just keeps going round and round and round. Till you have not laymen, you have people that are out, able to preach God's word and able to rightly divide the word of truth. Um, we see Paul here. Paul is in jail when he's writing this, by the way. And he sees this reaching people with God's word and discipling people as so important that even in the jail cell he's in, which is definitely not like a jail cell around here in modern days, um, he still sees it so important to write God's words down and to encourage people, which we will get to later. Okay, I'm going to read verse 15 now. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Philegius and Hermogenes. Now here comes the hard part. I know I said this part is, is hard, but this is the true hard part here because, you know, it should be, and I, the reason why it's not easy is because of the old nature that still resides in us. But to study, to, to learn, to keep the faith, and to teach it to other Christians um, and discipling should be easy. The hard part is when you start talking about rejection. When you're, when you're preaching this doctrine and you're going through rejection, and when you speak God's truth, people's sinful nature, they're not going to want to accept that. Most times. Now, Paul obviously was talking about a past occurrence, as, again, I, I say that he was in jail, where he was preaching to people in Asia, now, we think Asia is like the whole continent thing, but this was actually, if you can think about where modern Turkey is, this is uh, where modern Turkey is that, that Paul was preaching. And everyone turned away. Now, we can go out there and we can preach a simple message. We can say, well, there's hell, and that's just terrible, that's bad, you know. Not even explain the doctrine of hell, but just say, that's a really bad place, Satan's there, there's fire. And then we can say, there's heaven, heaven's an awesome place, you get whatever you want. And say, well, you know, accept Jesus Christ into your heart, and you won't go to hell, you'll go to heaven. 
Now, if that's all somebody ever knew, and they accepted Jesus Christ, just based on that, do you think that's legit? I don't think so. I mean, I don't know people's hearts, right? I'm not going to judge somebody's heart that way. But I seem to think that you should know more. And that people should be preaching more. They should be preaching sin. They should be preaching the wrath of God. They should be preaching the resurrection. They should be preaching that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and is God himself in flesh. Because these things, they're core doctrines. And if God didn't think they were important, he would not put them in his word. But they obviously are, and they're important to salvation, as far as I'm concerned. Um, They need to know, truly, why they need a Savior. And here's another thing. If you open up this book, and you read it, and you say, oh, yeah, that makes sense, historically speaking. Um, I understand, you know, what it's talking about. It's seems to make logical sense to me. But then you go live your life like it doesn't exist. Is that really legit? I I don't think so. Because it it needs to be more than head knowledge. It needs to be heart knowledge. It's a weird contradiction, really, if you think about it. How, in one sense, you need to know a lot. You need to be studying this word. You need to know the doctrines of the Bible. You need to know theology. But in another sense, it's not about what you know. It's about how you act upon what you know. It's about what's in your heart and how your heart expresses that. Really, though, it's not a contradiction at all. Because the more you know about God, the more you're going to be able to glorify God in everything you do. Because you know what God expects. You know what's wrong and you know what's right. And you've studied this word. Now, there's two people, and I know I'm pronouncing the names wrong, um, Philegius and Hermonius. Um, these seem to be people that, that Paul knew. Now, I'm not sure how much Paul knew them, per se. MacArthur seems to think that they were probably leaders at the time. Uh, but either way, they rejected God's truth. Uh, they, if they were leaders at the time, they probably heard something... And they thought it sounded all right. But once they heard the full truth, they realized what was going on. They didn't like it, and they left. Um, Because if your heart's not changed, coming back to the heart, if your heart's not changed, then whenever push comes to shove, you're going to want to run back to the world. And that's rejection. Now, why do people reject? Well, I talked about it a little. It's their sin nature. But uh, Romans talks about how no man seeks after God. So, no man wants to hear, and they, they obviously they turn away. Um, but it's, it's those who God's working on. It's those who God is changing that make it all worth it. You know, we may go out there and we may say, why are we doing this? What's the point? Everyone's rejecting us. But if some are truly understanding because God is working with them. And, and if we're being used by God, then that is the best feeling. You know, I, I have led a few people to the Lord in, in my past, and, you know, I give, you know, all glory to God in that, of course. It's just the best feeling you can have in the entire world. Now, this also applies to a church setting. I think in a church setting, too, 
we can't be just preaching you know, the salvational message again and again and again, preaching the same thing without getting deep into God's word. We need to be preaching the Trinity in church. We need to be preaching predestination. Church is a place that is meant to allow Christians to grow. Well, first of all, to worship God. But it, it is not primarily for people to come in and get saved. That's for us to go out into the world and to preach salvation to people. So we need to be teaching all the doctrines. We need to be teaching from Genesis to Revelation in our church. Now, verse 16. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Ornephius, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Was not ashamed of my chain. Ornephius was not ashamed to go see Paul. Now, if, if this man went to see Paul, people would have known, at least some of them would have known why Paul was in prison. And they would have, if they had seen Ornephius go to prison and, and see Paul, well, they would have connected him with what Paul believed. They would have said, this man must believe the same thing Paul believed. And even if they didn't, you know, if, if you're seen going to a jail to visit somebody who's, who's in there for breaking the law, you know, that might look badly on you. But he was not ashamed because he was not worried about what people were seeing on the outside. Um, he knew what Paul was doing. He knew the importance of what Paul was teaching and what, how Paul was writing God's word. It makes me think so much of just countries where the Bible, are, the Bible is illegal. How people are willing to, to go to jail people are willing to die. And that would kind of correlate more with what Paul's going through here. But at the same time, you have these people in these countries that are, are willing to encourage and, and help people who are in prison, um, like Ornephius did here with, for Paul. You know, North America, I think we sometimes take it for granted. We have it so comfortable here when it, whenever it comes to being able to preach doctrine and, and truth. Um, I know Kirk Hubrick said it's a little bit more difficult in Canada than it is in the States, which is probably true. Um, but still, it's, it's a lot easier than, than countries like, like China and some countries in Africa and just other places like that. Now, I, I found that Kirk Hubrick, to me, was an inspiration. And, and wow, like I really respect him because I'm sure he goes through what Paul went through here in the, the verse before of just rejection. You know, I know he's, he's said that. And we need to be thankful for Kirk Kubrick. And I think we need to be thankful that he has the opportunity to do what he does without having to worry about going to jail. Um, it's a great freedom that we have, and we should not take it for granted. Now, verse 17. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. I want to switch gears just a little bit on this message. I'm still going to be talking about doctrine because this all has to do with, with doctrine in a sense. But I want to talk about just encouragement now. Um, now, this Ornephius, he didn't have Facebook. He didn't have a phone. He, he didn't have any of the luxuries we have today to find out where somebody is, you know, what their status is or, or whatever, right? So... 
he must have found out somehow that, that Paul was in a jail cell in Rome. But he would have had to search out zealously, like it says, to be able to find uh, Paul and to be able to encourage him. You know, our, the question I would have is like, are we, with all the, the gifts and abilities we have here in North America, to be able to encourage people, are we encouraging people? Um, do we understand the significance of people that are out there preaching doctrine? And, and are we preaching doctrine because we understand the significance of, of it? I find that oftentimes we think of praying for the unsaved, which is great, absolutely. And I, I think oftentimes we think of praying for people who are really struggling in their faith. You know, people we see in constant sin that have very little victory. You know, they profess to be saved. And we, we want to pray for them, which is great, absolutely. But oftentimes, I find that we forget to pray for the, for the missionaries. We forget to pray for the people that we see zealously preaching God's word. Because we look at them and we think, oh, they got it all together. Well, they're no better than anybody else. I'm no better than anybody else. And... We all need prayer, no matter what situation we're in. And these people who are preaching doctrine and they're doing something so important, they need prayer. Um, Paul saw it as so important, what Orpheus was doing, encouraging him, that he began to, to write in, in 2 Timothy, pray for this man. I, I will get to that soon. Verse 18. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Now, I do understand that there was no chapter divisions. There was no verse divisions back then. We had just the books. Or they had just the books back then. But I really think that this is a very powerful, powerful statement and a really awesome way to end this first chapter of, of 2 Timothy. Paul's in jail. Paul is going through a really terrible situation. I explained earlier how the Roman prison was not comfortable in any way at all. They didn't have TV in there, they, obviously, but they didn't have any comforts that a, a jail would have today. It was dark, it was damp, and disgusting. But what is Paul doing here? Paul is saying, Lord, grant Ornephius mercy. Like, to me, that's, that's just amazing. It's like, Paul is just such a godly man that, that he was praying for others in this situation. I know we have to pray for ourselves. You know, it's so important that we, we pray and allow God to help us with our lives. But we need to remember to pray for others and to encourage others. You know, I talked about encouraging others that are, that are out spreading God's word. But just in general, you know, we need to be really encouraging our brothers and praying for them just as much, if not more, than we pray for ourselves. I think, again, of countries that... Christians go through persecution. I hear so many times that they're praying for us because 
oftentimes, you know, we're in a situation where our, our churches are lukewarm. And, you know, we're in a society that's very against God. And a lot of the times we, we accept that as, as Christians, just to generalize. Um, so they're, they're praying for us. And they're going through, through great tragedy in sticking up for their faith. I just think that is just so encouraging. And it's encouraging every time I hear that. And it makes me want to remember to pray for them. And it makes me just want to just live a better life for God in general. Um, so Paul sees the significance of encouragement. He sees the significance of doctrine. So how important is doctrine? Um, it's infinitely important. It is the most important thing that there is because everything comes back to God's word. Everything. You know, love comes back to God's word. Faithfulness comes back to God's word. A good marriage, back to God's word. And we always have to remember that. So I, I want to come back to the question that I asked you. Why are we here at MBBI? You know, are we here for a relationship? Well, that's good in its own way. And, you know, that very well could happen, and that would be great. You know, are we here for just friendships and camaraderie, like, just hanging out and stuff, well, again, that's good. Fellowship with other believers is good, and I know I've been encouraged by um, just fellowshipping with my other brothers and sisters here. That's awesome. Are we here because this is the only place that we can grow in God's Word? This is the only place that we can have spiritual victory? No. No, God is with us everywhere. As I said, He resides within us. The reason why I think I'm here and the reason why I believe every one of you is here um, is because we understand that we can come here and we can build a foundation. We can learn through our teachers and through the sermons that we hear here. Um, and we should be thankful for every time the Word of God is open here. We can learn the doctrines in this Word. We can learn how to rightly divide the Word of Truth from people who have been there and done that and who God is, is blessed, and I'm just so thankful for this school. You know, before I came here, I didn't know half the things that I know now. Um, you know, my youth group that I grew up, grew up in was great. The Sunday school that I went to was great. You know, I've been saved since I was four. I've learned a lot in that time. But to be honest, you know, a lot of these doctrines, a lot of these things weren't taught in my youth group. They weren't taught in my Sunday school because of what I talked about before, about how they use it to, to reach the lost, which is good to an extent, for sure. But, you know, it's been so great to be here and just learn God's word. And, and by learning God's word, I feel I've grown just so much more in my faith. And I would hope that would be true for all of you, that, that you would be here and that you would be growing because the word of God is being taught and it's being taught correctly. Thank you.